We are delighted to have with us the authors of a brand new book, When Words Matter Most, Cheryl Marshall and Caroline Neuheiser. Hello and welcome to Expositive Word. Hello, Hello, thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. As well as being authors, I know you're both very busy doing lots of things. Tell us everything we need to know about you both in 60 seconds. Go, Caroline. (laughs) Okay, I am married to Jim Neuheiser, who has been in ministry for more than 30 years as a pastor. And um, I have been involved with him in biblical counseling for the past 10 years. And now I work at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, helping women learn about counseling. Well, I am a wife and mother. I'm married to Philip and he is a professor at Houston Baptist University and also an associate pastor at our church, which is Founders Baptist Church in Spring. And we have three children and the oldest is 22. The youngest ones are 16. The oldest just got engaged. And so that's another thing now on our plate, but we're very happy about that. And um, I also am the director of women's ministries at our church. And so that includes the Bible studies and counseling and other service things going on. Um, So our plates are full, but they're good. Brilliant. How did you both become Christians and how did you meet each other? Well, I became exposed to the gospel as a child, but I didn't understand the gospel until I was at university. And I had to be convinced that I was totally depraved because <laughs> yeah. I was a good girl. <laughs> but understanding total depravity, and it was through my husband. He was the one who told me about that. He knows I'm totally depraved. <laughs> um, and then uh, when my husband went to California, he had a church there, and that was near Westminster Seminary in California, and Cheryl and I met there at church. And Cheryl, how did you become a Christian? Well, the Lord was very gracious to save me at a very young age, Um, so I think I was probably five years old. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, and um, my parents were faithful to share the gospel with me and to have me in a Bible-teaching church. And um, I don't remember a whole lot um, in those early years, um, but I do remember a very formative time was in junior high, seventh, eighth grade, when there was a woman who was discipling me. And that was uh, really an important time in my life. But the Lord was very gracious to save me early and, you know, walk, has walked through many things yeah. with me. And so I'm very grateful. Yeah, for And sure. like Caroline said, we, um, we did meet at church in San Diego, actually Escondido, California, when my husband was an intern under her husband at church. And that would have been, uh, that would have been 1996, 1995, 1996 is when we would have first met. Yeah, brilliant. So give us an overview of your new book, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. That's, It's a book that we wrote because we want women to interact with others on a deeper level. We've seen plenty of shallow relationships, but not only deeper level in terms of emotional maturity, but spiritual. Spiritual conversations is what we're trying to engender in the women who read this book. Mm. Yeah, so we're just really, we really wanted to encourage and equip women um, how to do exactly what the subtitle says speaking truth with grace to those you love. And so in the first half of the book, we talk a lot about the how 
and the why of that from a biblical perspective. And then the second half of the book, we really focus on, on what to say. So there's a chapter on um, scripture that you can use with someone who is um, weary or a woman who is experiencing anxiety and worry or a woman who is um, experiencing grief and even a woman who's in sin. So we try to cover all those different things in those various chapters, just to give them something good to work with and a good model of how they can be using scripture in one another's lives. Yeah, great. So there are obviously lots of books on the market about relationships, uh, conversations and words, but your book has a unique emphasis on speaking scriptures and biblical truth. Why is that such a strong focus of your book? Well, truth is what makes the change. The Holy Spirit using truth through scripture. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with a girl who said, I know that if I keep thinking about my difficult mother, I will become my difficult mother, which is a truism. And we had to speak about that from what does God have to say? So she was living with that reality, that truth, or what she assumed was truth for her, but not understanding what does the scripture have to say about that? So that's what we want. We want to move out of platitudes and truisms into scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Another thought on that also is that, well, Caroline and I were working on the book. We would have discussions about this. The fact that we are not the ones who change people. We can't save people. We can't sanctify or grow or change people. That's what God does. And so ultimately people don't need our opinions. They don't need our stories. What they really need is God's word his spirit working with his word in their lives. And so that's why we constantly refer the reader back to scripture um, as for their own conversations. Yeah. We've mentioned the word truth a few times already. Um, We live in a post-truth, post-modern world where the culture tries to dictate what, what truth is and that truth is subjective. How much more important is it that we have friends that push against that and hold on to biblical truth? Very important. As you said, we, we live in a world that is opposed, not only indifferent to the truth of God's word, but opposed to that. And so we are going to have friends and family who do not know Christ and do not hold to his word. But, you know, God has saved us into a family. God has saved us into a body. He has saved us into a church. And we need one another. We need the encouragement. We need the reinforcement. We need the prayers. We need the accountability. And so part of God's plan for us to be strong in the Lord and to grow in the Lord is to be surrounded by others who um, hold to his truth. Yeah. And we strengthen one another with that. So it's very important. And I know there's probably listeners who, who say, well, you know, I don't have that or I don't have much of that um, around me. And I would say, be praying that God will provide that. Be looking within your local church. Maybe it's somebody personality or has all the same interests as you, but you know what, you have the Lord in common and, and maybe just pursuing those relationships and asking for prayer and accountability, but it's very important. Yeah. We, I believe that we should just keep saying the truth. I mean, Jesus lived his life speaking truth 
And people were astonished. They couldn't understand how could he speak with such authority. And we're trying to say we can speak with authority, but with gracious yeah. attitudes, yeah. as Jesus did. But um, it can be surprising to women to hear that we have strong views because we know what the Bible says. And we're not blown about by every wind of doctrine because we were established in the truth. Yeah. And one of the things we wanted to really emphasize is how do I, <clears throat> how do we communicate that truth and really be strong in our convictions about what God's word says and yet not come in like a bull in a China shop? Yeah. You know, how do we come in to step into someone's life with kindness and grace and the love of Christ as we communicate his word. Yeah, it's really good. So what is the character of a gracious friend? Good question. <laughs> you want yeah. to take it, Caroline? Or do okay. No, we uh, spent some time thinking about that because um, our book wants to emphasize both the character, the conversation, and the conduct of a gracious friend. But in terms of character, she needs to be spirit-filled. She needs to have the Holy Spirit because that's where our grace, gracious attitude comes from because of the grace that we understand for ourselves. Yeah. So it keeps us from being judgmental or critical or um, unkind because we know how God has treated us with grace. Not only spirit-filled, but humble. That's, again, the same thing because we've been given grace. We're not all that. We're just standing on what the Bible says, yeah. and that helps us. The humility helps us. And then, and then a, a gracious friend we talked about in the book is going to be loyal. So there was one point where Caroline and I were actually sitting down and thinking through this very question as what do we want to include as the, the essential character of a gracious friend? And is that loyalty? Um, we thought of how, you know, the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful mm -hmm. because he cannot deny himself. And so if we are to emulate Christ, there's this issue of loyalty and friendship that a gracious friend perseveres even through the difficulties, whether it be the difficulties of the circumstances that her friend is going through, or maybe her friend is just being difficult herself, you know, that a, that a loyal friend will persevere through the ups and downs that she will rejoice when there's rejoicing, she will weep when there's weeping. And even when um, a friend may be going through a time where the friend, the friendship may be difficult, that a loyal friend will persevere in love. Mm -hmm. And, and as uh, Caroline said, with grace and with kindness towards that person. Yeah. Just as you're speaking there, show it's interesting, isn't it? How, Christians and non-Christians can use the same word, but they have different meanings. You, you know, mm -hmm. you think about how the world views loyalty. It's often transactional, isn't it? In terms of there's that loyalty all the time that somebody's of use to you, you know, or, mm -hmm. or that when, you know, when, when Christians use the word, it's just so, something so different, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we've experienced a different kind of loyalty. Yeah. Christ. I mean, condescended to us, right. And he has been, he perseveres with us. Yeah. And from that grace, we learn to then persevere with others. Yeah. 
how early in a relationship have you been able to have honest conversations? For example, if you were invited around a friend's house for a first time for coffee and as you was to look around their bookshelves, you saw a whole pile of books from people that you know to be false teachers. How would you handle that? A lot of it's going to be based on the, um, the attitude that you have towards them and they know that you love them and care about them. So sometimes I have to ask women um, things like, could I say something to you that out of love, I would like to say something to you about those books or about that teacher? Because I know something about it. Would it be all right if I gave you my opinion? So you're inviting yourself into their lives and that helps them to say, yes, all right. I, I value you because I know you care about me. So I will listen. So I don't know how early you could do that. It depends on your, the nature of your relationship already. But if we are emphasizing the spirit filled life, the humble life and the loyal life, then um, that person should be able to hear us. Yeah. Something that I've learned also is not to make assumptions. And I actually learned that early on from Caroline's husband, Jim, when I would observe him doing counseling uh, many years ago. And I was struck the very first time I observed him, how many questions he asked. You know, I thought, okay, these people are coming to him for counsel. He's supposed to do all the talking. And what I noticed is he asked so many questions and he listened for so long to the counselees when they came in. And that really made an impact on me for many years now that um, let's say I walk into a friend's house. And like you said, she has all these books on her shelf. Well, I shouldn't, oh, boom, 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 boom. You know, oh, God, I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her. No, I, I need to ask questions. You know, for all I know, her great uncle just passed away and gave her a big box of books and they're up on her shelf. Right. I shouldn't make assumptions. Um, I need to ask questions. So, you know, how long have you had these books? You know, where are they from? What do you believe? What do you think? Um, gathering information yeah. before we step in with truth is often very helpful so that mm. when we speak, um, what we're saying is actually received as trustworthy and we're not um we're just not making assumptions about where that person really is. Yeah. So that's a lesson I've learned. Yeah, it's really helpful. Really, really good. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 13, there are three goals that are given for relationships within the body of Christ. What are these goals and why are they important for women to keep these in mind and pursue? Uh, why don't I read Ephesians four thirteen? It says that we're equipped, we're to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the, number one, unity of the faith. So our goal is unity of the faith. That doesn't mean denominations or particular churches, but the overall gospel. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. We need to know Jesus. We need to know who Christ is. That's what we live for. We need to focus on that. And the reason is because we want to grow into mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as we know Christ, we imitate Christ. So all these are big picture goals of what God has for us in our Christian life. 
Yeah, and as we think on those, the unity of the faith, the knowledge of Christ, and then Christ-like maturity, if those become more at the forefront of our thinking, of our relationships with our children, our spouse, our friends, the people we may minister to at church, that will really impact our conversations with them. What are the important things that we're talking about? Um, what are we encouraging them in? It can also change our attitude towards people. If someone um, is suffering, when you then have an opportunity to come alongside them and help them, you, re- you can remember, oh, even in their suffering, I can encourage them to trust Christ. I can encourage them that, um, that God is using this to to grow them in, in maturity. Yeah. Um, I can, re- I can encourage them with the faith, the body of doctrine that we agree upon and that we hold to. Um, if someone is struggling with sin, then I know, Hey, ultimately what they need is they need Christ. They need to be turning from their sin to Christ. They need to be turning to the truth of scripture. So if these three goals are at the forefront of our thinking, Um, It will affect our attitudes and our conversations towards the people around us that we love. We we will see them as more than just, oh, yeah, you know, this is just my buddy or this is just someone I have a cup of coffee with. But no, Christ has put us in each other's lives for a purpose. Out of all the people on the world, this is one of the people he's put in my life and them in mine in the church. And uh, we can encourage one another in these specific things. Yeah, yeah. If someone listening right now isn't in a place where they have Christian friends that speak biblical truth into their life, what can they do and how would you encourage them? I love that question because it's practical (laughs) and it's addressing probably your listeners who say, well, those are all really good thoughts, but I want to get there. How do I do it? So I would look for the people in your church who are wise and Titus 2, 3 through five say we older women should be involved in others' lives and not just on shallow fun experiences, but like Cheryl said, applying the word to people. So you might know somebody in the church who's older, maybe somebody your age even, who's walked with the Lord and you admire her life, you've watched her. And I know women ask, have asked me to be a mentor. And I know other women have said, yeah, I I think I'm going to approach that lady and ask her for help because I want to be like Christ as I see him exemplified in her life. Um, You might even invite these important conversations. In in our book, we talk about my sister who is really good at getting on a deeper level. She doesn't just talk about things, but how does this matter? How do you react to this and why does this matter to you? So you're beginning to initiate those conversations, open-ended questions. Um, And then we want to be that person. We want to also be the person who's on the lookout for those in our body, in our church body, who need a friend, a wise Christian friend. There was a certain season that we went through when we were moving from one state to another. And it's actually when we first moved to Texas and we were, we had not settled on a church yet. I didn't know people in the community. And um, 
it was a very lonely time. And so a listener right now might be in one of those seasons where you're not surrounded immediately by other believers whom you can seek out this type of encouragement and relationship. And so a couple of things that I think back during that time, um, just be praying, praying, Lord, please bring these people into my life and please provide. And I, I trust that he will. The other thing also is to then be listening to solid sermons. Those are always going to be available now online in one way or another. So be listening to the word, listening to biblical exposition of God's word is so important. Mm -hmm. And then also um, getting your hands on good books. Sometimes it's that author who is going to be your mentor for a time when there's not a physical person in front of you. And so I remember a couple of different authors in particular during that time that I read, and I still think back to those books with a, a particular fondness because they were helpful in that gap time until the Lord had us in a place where we were building community in a church again. What does it mean to bear one another's burdens? Oh, that's uh, Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the law of Christ is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The law of Christ, love your neighbor. So that's what we are doing. That's what we're talking about in this book. Yeah. Because that some people avoid these deeper conversations because you're getting involved emotionally with other people and it's hard. It's like a burden yeah. that you carry. Um, we give stories in our book about say a woman whose husband abandoned her. And I um, just mailed her a copy of the book. I said, thank you so much for sharing your story, but it's heartbreaking to bear that burden. Another woman was um, sexually abused by her pastor you think, you know, I don't even know what to say to that person, but we put her in the book because her problem is real and she felt so isolated. Yeah. And I mailed her a copy. I said, thank you so much for telling your story because we use that as an example of how we can bear somebody's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. That word burden there actually... Um, has the connotation of carrying with endurance. So there's a heavy load. Someone has a heavy load of sin or a heavy load of suffering. And as a sister in the Lord, we can come alongside and say, here, let me help carry that load with you. And, you know, it's, it's not rocket science, what that looks like. It's not complicated. What it means is listening speaking truth, biblical principles, biblical truth, helping her apply it to her life. It's praying with her, praying for her and, you know, keeping her accountable just through, through friendship and coming back and touching base, letting her know someone sees me, someone hears me. And through that, she'll be reminded God sees me. Yeah. God hears me because someone within his body is coming alongside and helping me carry that burden. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
When speaking with an unbelieving friend, should you still use scripture when she discusses a particular problem? Definitely. I would say the answer, answer is yes. Um, that does not mean that you chapter and verse everything that you say to your friend. And again, like I said earlier, you don't come in like a bull in a china shop, giving her some huge long dissertation on scripture and her problem. But we have to keep in mind that she is a creature made by the heavenly father, just like we are. And his truth is the truth that she ultimately needs. She needs Christ as her savior. And she needs the wisdom of scripture by which to then live out and glorify her maker. And so even though she does not um, believe in Christ at this time as her savior, even though she does not adhere to what the word of God says, she still needs him and she still needs his word. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it takes a lot of wisdom. There, there's no, um, we just can't give you the exact way to do this in every situation with every um, relationship. So it takes wisdom and patience to just be a friend and to speak to her out of that, which fills you already. So if you know the Lord, speak of the Lord. If, the, if you know the gospel and it applies in a conversation you're having with her, share the gospel. If there's a truth from Proverbs or from the epistles, that is a truth that she needs to know. Freely speak of that. I have some friends, I have one friend in particular that I think of her name's Rebecca. And uh, she speaks so freely of the Lord. And she doesn't only speak freely of the Lord with believers. I've heard her and I've seen her speak freely of the Lord when she's around unbelievers. Yeah. And um, that may be planting a seed. It may be meeting a need. Um, but I, I can learn from her example. Yeah. And that's something that I need to learn more yeah. of. Yeah. I have confidence because of Romans 1. 18, it says that those people are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So Romans 1 is teaching us there are people who know truth. God is creator, for example. He created you. He created your unborn child. So a person considering abortion perhaps needs to know. They know God created. And just to remind them of that. So we're confident that the Holy Spirit would work through his word either one way or the other, but his word is not going to return void yeah. as we express it. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. When speaking with that unbeliever, we know that their greatest need is Christ. Gerald, like what you were just saying, how important is it that no matter where they are in their life, that the conversation has to ultimately point back to Christ before we start going into problem solving mode and start papering over the cracks, if you like. Well, that's a good question. I I've had people who come in with their problems because I am a counselor and people come and speak to me of their problems. And I'll say, now for Christians, this is the answer. Christians have God with them. They have Holy Spirit empowerment. This is how you become a Christian. So you're making a point of saying, here are the things that work, but they work through 
the Bible. Yeah. And we have common grace that teaches us relationship building. And there are plenty of books about that. But this is where our book stands out, I think, is because we're saying, you know, we have this common grace truth, but here are the strict scriptures behind it. And our ultimate goal is to glorify God. Yeah. How do you counsel someone that is in the process of completely abandoning their faith? That's a really good question. And just like I mentioned earlier, I think it starts with listening and asking and um, coming in with some compassion towards them and just trying to understand um, what they are thinking and why. Um, So being willing to have conversations and not shying away from them or not becoming defensive, but just saying, hey, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I see what you've posted online, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, can we talk about this again? Um, coming into, you know, just stepping into their life with uh, grace. And if they respond to that, yeah, let's talk. Um, I think it's good to listen and to, and when you ask questions to really seek to understand not just to sit there and to be thinking, well, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say to that? How am I going to counteract what they're saying? But really first starting with seeking to understand them and their ideas, their argument, so that when you do come to them with biblical truth, you are able to make sure it matches what their concerns are. Um, So first of all, listening to understand. And I think part of that also is not and I know some people might not like this, <laughs> but it's not just that the ideas of the gospel or the ideas in scripture that you're wanting to understand where they are struggling. I think what you also need to do is be asking the kind of questions to unearth what may be the sin in their life that they have been clinging to, that they now are saying, whatever it may be. I want this more than to continue with Christ yeah. because it seems to me there's often something in the life and in the heart that's being held onto that they do not want to forsake. Yeah. And so um, again, I'm not saying that to come in with like a judgmental, harsh um, type of response, because as Caroline mentioned earlier, we are to step in with humility I mean, I'm a sinner. God has been gracious to me. My child is a sinner. God has been gracious to her. This friend who may be walking away from the faith, I don't know if where they are on that path yet. Is this a true conversion? Is it not a true conversion? What's going on in the life? Because then sometimes that is what needs to be addressed from scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally, just keeping in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Yeah. And so through that relationship, just seeking to bring them back to the scriptures is ultimately, it's not going to be you reasoning them back into the faith. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be you dragging them back into the faith. It's eventually going to have to be the Holy Spirit working through his word and that person coming to a point of humility saying, I'm undone. Yeah, you're right. You know, to whom else shall I go? 
Yeah. For only he has the words of eternal life. Yeah. Excellent. Really good. Just to add, some people have been hurt by Christians. And sometimes that's Mm -hmm. to be explored also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like a pastor who was harsh or a judgmental friend in the name of Christ who judged them, but to enter into their pain in that Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Sympathy, I think, is another um, thing to consider. I agree with all that Cheryl said, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, I'm but, glad you mentioned that because I mentioned sin, but it may be an issue of some sort of suffering. Yeah. Um. So I'm really yeah. glad you clarified that. Yeah. I'll add it to it. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. You've both done a great job in the book talking about God's amazing grace. Remind us afresh what that is. God's grace unmerited favor and i found a a verse that is a good description of grace and it's acts chapter 15 11 says we have all been saved through the grace of the lord jesus so that's god's favor to us through jesus to give us changed heart give us changed motivation And in the book, we really highlight the the point that we cannot be gracious to others, like in a real, truly godly, gracious way um, until we have experienced and understood the grace of God for ourselves. Yeah. And so we have a chapter that's actually called the greater grace, that my grace to someone is not the greatest grace. The greatest grace is God's grace to us. And so we explore that God's grace in justification and our sanctification and then ultimately in our glorification. And we explore then how that those, those gifts of his grace to us, how those particularly help us to speak to other people. Yeah. And so that was a hard chapter to work on, but it was, it turned out to be fruitful. I'm yeah. very thankful for uh, for um, how that study even helped ourselves. Yeah. How does having an eternal perspective impact what we say as we speak into the lives of those that we love? Oh, I, I'm glad you asked that because um, we try to make the future eternal salvation glorification real. I had a lady yesterday I was talking to and she was concerned that she's turning into her mother, difficult mother. Um, She's weeping about it. She's, she's suffering about that. And she was um, benefited by Hebrews 12, one and two, the act of endurance that we need, but also it says Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. So that's the eternal perspective. And this was, I've talked to young mom recently too. She says, how do I get through my day? I've got a toddler. I've got an infant and now I'm pregnant. How can I endure? Well, look to Jesus or fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured. And Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility. So the endurance 
is what's needed because of the end goal. So that's something we need to bring into our conversations. And some of us tend to think day to day, you know, how am I going to accomplish what I need to today and forget I'm living before God. One day I will have to give an account for every action, but one day I will also be rewarded for all these small works of service that I do. Cheryl, you touched on it briefly earlier on about some books that have been really helpful to you. I'm really interested. What resources have been most helpful in helping you both grow in your faith over the years, either in books or podcasts or sermon series? I would like to mention J.I. Packer's Knowing God, which I read in my 20s. And knowing God is the most important thing we need to commit to. Um, Arthur Pink has his book also about the attributes of God. Those things are the foundation for everything else that we live by and what I live by. Yeah. But I also was benefited by having a godly Christian husband who has preached 30 years of consecutive expository sermons. And I've heard his books are are not bad as well, right, Caroline? (laughs) Not bad, yeah. (laughs) Very good. What about you, Cheryl? Yeah, sorry. For myself, um, it's really been um, my pastor from when I was growing up, John MacArthur. Um, I left California around 2000 early 2000s I actually left Los Angeles area where he's the pastor to go down to Carol where Caroline and Jim were um in the late 90s and so ever since then though ever since we've been gone um I've listened to MacArthur and that has been so helpful um particularly in the last several years I started running (laughs) and so to get rid of the thinking of the pain of the running, I will listen to MacArthur as I run, <laughs> Yeah, but it gives me a lot to chew on, a lot yeah. to think about. Um, there are times when I'm having to teach at church for the women that I will pull up a passage of his that he's been preaching on and listen to that. Um, there were times as we were writing the book, I would li- literally um, find a sermon that corresponded with what we were writing on and, and listen to that and just meditate on the scriptures in that way. So that's been really big. But the other thing is I cannot under um, underestimate the importance of my local pastors at the churches we've been in. So Jim Neuheiser, where we were in San Diego, Ryan Fullerton in Kentucky, and then my current pastor, Richard Caldwell, um, the importance of preaching from our local pastors uh, is so important. And I'd say that's really impacted me a lot yeah. in what I think and what I write. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. I've really enjoyed speaking to you both. Um, time has absolutely flown by. It's gone too fast. Before you go, do you have any closing thoughts? And also tell everybody what is the best way for people to follow what you're doing. I'll respond by saying we want women to be encouraged to think of themselves as able to minister to one another, not leave it to some professional counselor or some person paid in ministry because there are so many needs and we need one another made to be in a body to serve one another that way. 
I have a website, carolineneuheiser.com, and I'll be glad to interact with people there. And there are other resources on that site if anyone wants to see those. And I would just say it was a real joy for us to write this book. And it's a joy for us to know that this can um, encourage and help women to speak God's truth to one another. We, we totally believe and are convinced that um, God is in the business of changing lives, but he uses us to do that. He builds his church, but he uses his people to do that. Yeah. And Christ works through his people, as we see in the book of Acts, and we continue that today. So um, we are just very thankful for the opportunity to be able to present this topic to women from a very biblical perspective. And so we are thankful for that. Um, as far as connecting with me on Instagram, it's underscore Cheryl Marshall. And on Facebook, it's Cheryl Marshall Books. And for the website, CherylMarshall.com. So there's a, a few different ways there. Okay, awesome. We can connect. Well, I'm going to pull together both Caroline's um, website and your social media, Cheryl, and your website as well. So they'll be in the description below of whether you're listening or watching to this interview. Of course, there'll also be a link to this brilliant book as well. So, guys, thanks again for your time. I really enjoyed speaking to you both today. Thank you so much. Thank you, David.